The continuation of this podcast is not for children and contains discussions of adult themes. In addition, this particular episode discusses childhood neglect and homophobic violence. Listener's discretion is advised. And remember, listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs. So after their intense night of subway passion, August gets home and like pulls something from her bag and a pack of batteries falls out and she's like, oh, hold on a fucking second. And she texts Jane and she says, can you open the battery compartment on your radio and tell me what you see? Jane says, nothing. There's nothing in there. Why? And August is like, there are no batteries in your radio? Nope. Didn't you ever wonder how it works? And Jane says, I figured it was like my cassette player. It doesn't have batteries either. I'm a sci-fi freak show. I just assumed that was part of it. And I would like to say that I called this because <laughs> I, noticed, I noticed early on that Jane is repeatedly described with like electrical terms. Mm -hmm. She's lightning on long legs <gasps> and there like lights flicker around her and mm -hmm. stuff. It did not surprise me. I thought it was very cool. I didn't register that as her being electricity so much mm -hmm. as her being a ghost and like freaky ghost shit happens. Like, ooh, the lights that flicker on true. and off. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so there's some fun information there that definitely will not come into play later. Wink. Never. <laughs> there is a second little sex scene here. Hell yeah. Very soon after the first one. Hell yeah. <laughs> where it's like the middle of the day and August is sitting on Jane's lap in the subway and they have a, a blanket over them, a coat, something like that. Yeah, the jacket. Yeah. Jane starts rubbing her and tells her like, tell me to stop. And uh, August does not. <clears throat> Jane's hand stills carefully, but she leans up into August's neck, lips brushing her earlobe when she says, tell me to stop. And August should. August should tell her to stop. She should really want to tell her to stop. But Jane's fingertips are brushing against her, teasing out her nerve endings and making her hips ache. And she thinks about all the months of wanting honed down to an exquisitely fine point, sharp against her skin until it feels like it could draw blood. A little bit later on, August says, I guess criminal behavior isn't as much of a turn on for me. And <laughs> Jane says, that's interesting, because it seems like doing things you're not supposed to kind of gets you off. I don't know if you have evidence, uh, evidence to support that theory. <laughs> Jane leans in and says, try not to come then, which I thought was really fucking hot. Uh, Jane, please call me on your weird ghost electric cell phone. My phone number is 203. <laughs> also, it did remind me of those, like, porn ads, ads for porn oh, games. They're like, try not to come. You won't last five minutes. And you see, like, big titty, like... Anime girl. <laughs> exactly. Like, tits bouncing. <laughs> Everything's flashing at me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Don't click on those. You'll get a virus. It's true. <laughs> or will you come immediately? Uh, Only one way to find out. Uh, fishing scams make me nuts so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Findom. <laughs>
August also describes Jane looking coolly unfazed except for her pupils, which are blown wide, which is also really hot. Also, <laughs> it's not quite say the line Claudia in the normal autistic sense, but say the line Claudia where August says, sometimes it feels like there are three Augusts. <laughs> <laughs> One born hopeful, one who learned how to pick locks, and one who moved to New York alone. All sticking out knife blades and tripping one another to get to the front of the line. Oh boy, if that isn't my life. <laughs> if you won't say the line, I'll say the line. Big plural energy. <laughs> Big plural energy. <laughs> so after that steamy encounter, August starts a sex notebook. <laughs> yeah, say the line, Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> You know how I know it's the most autistic thing? Because it's very similar to something that I did in my first relationship. Really? Yeah. I, oh God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Me and this girlfriend would basically like log the the quality of the sex and basically try and improve as much as possible is, is the best way to put it. Oh my gosh. I saw yeah. this like thing. I see a bunch of things like this. Well, not so much anymore, but I used to. Basically, people creating like exit surveys and stuff for sexual partners and be like, <laughs> how would you rank this experience? Like, or like, why did you ghost me? Like, and it's like, and it's like you know, no hard feelings here. Just trying to like gather data and figure out what's going on. Like, what are the what are the patterns here? Is there a trend? Uh, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. And I love seeing people compile the data. Yeah, that's, God, that's so funny. Also, let me tell you, I feel like none of my previous encounters would fill that out. <laughs> Maybe like one of them. <laughs> I find the things that she adds very funny. <laughs> she starts with things she already knew. Hair pulling, giving and receiving. Lip biting, followed by thigh highs and leaving marks. She pauses, sucks on the end of her pen and adds semi-public sex. Unsure if always into this or simply making the best of the situation. <laughs> she stomps home 45 sweaty, delirious minutes later, Jane still laughing in her ear, and she whips her shorts across the bedroom and furiously adds to the list orgasm denial. <laughs> Jane makes it up to her eventually. I love them. Yeah, they're really cute. I might as well go to the punchline of the sex notebook, where later on they're talking and they're like sharing secrets with each other, and... Jane says she sometimes likes having her ass slapped during sex. Then she pauses and she's like, well, aren't you going to write that in your little sex notebook? <laughs> <laughs> Which August blushes so hard and she says, you weren't supposed to know about that. You're not that discreet, August. One time I swear you whipped it out before I even got my pants buttoned. <laughs> August moans in dismay. She knows exactly what entry Jane is talking about. Page three, section M, subheading four, overstimulation. Oh my God. <laughs> I have to die now, August says into her hands. No, it's cute. You're such a nerd. It's endearing. <laughs> Jane laughs. Just uh, such a cute exchange. They're so freaking cute. It's disgusting. Oh. I'm going to throw this book out the window. <laughs> <laughs> she finds her birth certificate, knows that her birthday is May 28th, 1953. So they try to come up with a timeline as to like, you know, what could have happened in these years that resulted in you being stuck on this train. Mm. So like they have their little timeline here. Summer 1971, Jane leaves San Francisco. January 72, Jane moves to New Orleans. 74, Jane leaves New Orleans. February 75, Jane moves to New York. Summer 76, Jane starts working at Billy's and then question mark, question mark, question mark. So who knows what's going on? Yeah, there's 
some big holes in that timeline. Yeah. But like something keeps bothering August about Jane's name. So B.U. Sue, it just sounds like so familiar to her and she cannot exactly figure out why or how, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yep. A little while later, she gets a call from her mom in the evening. Her mom says, your grandmother had a stroke last night and she didn't make it. And I was like, damn, are you okay? And her mom's like, yeah, I'm, I'm all right, whatever. But I need to talk to you about something because your grandmother left you some money. And August is deeply confused because she has no relationship with her grandparents because her mother has no relationship with her parents. And August always thought that she was the shameful family secret because her mother wanted to do everything on her own, have a kid on her own. And so it's like, oh, your freak test tube baby isn't actually our grandchild. Ew, disgusting. Keep it away from us. (laughs) Yeah. So August is like, why did she leave me money? She's barely spoken to me. She's never even sent me a birthday present. And her mother says, like, listen, I have something to tell you, but I need you to not hate me. Great way to start a sentence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know that you're going to hear some shit when you open with that. Mm -hmm. Your grandparents were difficult people. It's always been complicated between us. And I do think that they're ashamed of me because I decided to have you on my own. But they were never ashamed of you. And August says they didn't even know me. Well, they did, kind of. I'd keep them updated sometimes, and they'd hear from St. Margaret's how you were doing. St. Margaret's being her high school? Elementary school? High school? Something like that. Her Catholic school. Yeah. And August says, why would St. Margaret's talk to them about me? And her mother pauses for a while. And she says, because they keep the people paying students tuition update on the student. What? Yeah. Oh my god. They paid their tuition the entire time that she was there. And... This balls into another lie mm-hmm. where her mother said that they were always broke around that time because she had to pay for the Catholic school. But she did. She paid for the field trips, the uniforms, extracurriculars, <laughs> your library fines. But they wrote the big checks and they send one as your birthday present every year. This is just like, so. oh my God, I'd be flipping the fuck out. Yep. That's a lot of pressure to put on a child to be like, oh, we're broke because of you and your education, bitch. It's just like, girl, just send her to public school. The fuck? Exactly. If you're really going to complain. But no, it's like, literally, she's like essentially putting all of this on her daughter when the truth was that the, the reason they were always broke is because it's not cheap to pay for an investigation, meaning that all that money that she made went to finding her brother. August's mom go to therapy. Seriously, which is like, you know, again, I understand you want to find your brother, but Jesus fucking Christ, you have a child. Yeah. At some point, it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And why bring a child into this world if you're just going to neglect it and then like blame this child for like your financial struggles? It's just crazy. Unhinged. They get into a fight and her mom's like, you don't know what I went through. You don't know the way that they treat Augie. He left because they made him miserable. I couldn't lose you like that. And August says, can you shut up about Augie for once? It's been almost 50 years. He's gone. People leave. Which, Marge Simpson voice, it's true, but you shouldn't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Big oof. Huge oof. Yeah, Yeah. So she basically doesn't talk to her mother for a while Mm -hmm. after this. She's like, I'll let you know when I'm ready to talk to you again, but I need you to leave me alone for a while. I do want to just mention this line here because fucking ouch. 
August says, sometimes it's like you had me just so you could have a fucking assistant. Like, yep. god damn. But also, yeah. Did she maybe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> August says, I'm sorry about your mom. I'm sorry they treated you like shit, but that doesn't give you the right. Yeah. I am very proud that August does that. Oh, absolutely. I feel like it's always hard standing up to a parent. Yeah. So it's like, good for you. And she's very right to be mad here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, I took out student loans that I didn't want to take out. Yeah. When I could have just asked these people for money. But mm-hmm. you told them to stop paying for my education once I turned 18. Yeah. Ugh. Crazy. Yeah. So they're back on the queue. And they have the very cute idea to carve their names onto the train because I love vandalism. It's so romantic. It's so hot. I love it. <laughs> and a nut just thinking about it. And August is like, oh, don't worry about me. I have my own knife and takes out that knife that she's had for forever. And Jane says, what's that? August says, like, my knife? Your, where did you get that? It was a gift. August says, my mom gave it to me. It belonged to her brother. August. Yeah? No. August. That was his name, the guy who owned that knife. Augie. Then we find out Augie, so not our August, but her uncle Augie, knew Jane back in the 70s. They lived together in New Orleans. What are the odds? (laughs) Small world. And that's why B.U. Sue said it's so familiar is because her name came up during the investigation. Yeah, that was the woman that her mother sent her a box of files about that was like, hey, this woman knew Augie, see if you can find her in New York. And it turns out it was Jane. And she did find her in New York. (laughs) Then we find out what happened to Augie. Mm -hmm. So we find out he's dead, which like, Fucking surprise, surprise. Yeah, I did not see that coming. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Who who could have imagined? Oh, certainly not I. <laughs> certainly not August's mom. Yeah. Oof. Like, girl, people don't just, like, go missing for 50 years and are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> as sad as that is to say. Yeah. <laughs> So Jane tells August about the Upstairs Lounge, which was a bar in New Orleans, a gay bar in New Orleans, that I believe the last day of Pride Month in 1973, some fucking homophobes set fire to it and killed 32 men. Jesus. Yeah. The doors didn't open properly. There were bars on the windows and the ceiling fell in. (sighs) Jane says that Augie worked there and that he was there on that night and he never came home. Fucking, ugh. <sighs> it's, it's really fucking sad to think about. Yeah. And that's the reason why she left New Orleans. And that's been one of her like blank spots in her memory. But Jane really, really loved Augie and loved living with him. Her mom had theories. He got a girl pregnant and ran away, made enemies with the guys who bribed the NOPD to guard their crafts games and skipped town, got lost, got married, got out of town, and disappeared beyond the cypress trees. Instead, instead, Jane tells August he was loved. She remembers him at the stove of their tiny kitchen, teaching her how to make pancakes. She tells August how he used to frown at the bathroom mirror and run a wet comb through his hair, trying to tame it. He was happy, she says. 
even though he never talked about his family, even though she heard him through the walls sometimes, on the phone using a voice so gentle that he must have been talking to the round-faced, green-eyed little girl whose picture he kept in his wallet. He was happy because he had Jane. He had friends. He had the job at the upstairs and guys with sweet eyes and broad shoulders who wanted to kiss him in the street lamp light. He had hope. He liked to march, liked to help Jane make signs. He had dreams for a future and friends all over the city, tight-knit circles, hands that slapped his back when he walked into a room. It's nice. Yeah. They talked about their dreams a lot. He always wanted to drive the panoramic highway ever since he read about it in the library book. But then the fire happened. <sighs> yeah. It's just, it's really fucking sad. Yep. Crazy that that's real. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's just like, just to, you know, twist the knife a bit more, Church after church refused to hold funerals. The one priest who did gather a handful of people for prayers was nearly excommunicated by his congregation. Fucking sad. So, yeah, that's why she moved to New York. She lost touch with everyone. She wanted to become a ghost, like Augie. And then she found New York, and it finished the job. Yep. For the record, the reverend who did hold funerals for queer people, his name was Reverend William P. Richardson. He had his, uh, essentially his priest license revoked. <laughs> Jesus. I think the next thing is the, the, the fight. Do you want to explain this fight? It's weird. Like, because I think like the general gist of it is that Jane is just having a lot of emotions as far as her being stuck in this time where to all of her friends and family, she died and she's essentially missed out on her entire life because of whatever the fuck happened to get her stuck on this train. And in a way, she resents August because she didn't start to remember things until August started helping her remember things. And so it's like, why would you do this to me? Like, this is just causing me pain because I can't do anything about it. And I think that's a, the general gist of the fight. Yeah, it's it's really misdirected anger. Yeah. I have a note here that says, oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's, it's just like we've had some contrived fights in books that we've read mm -hmm. this is up there to be honest like it's it's very understandably motivated yeah but i don't want to read it it just adds 20 pages to this book for no reason mm -hmm. and this book is fucking 423 pages long you could have gotten it down to 400 <laughs> blaze it <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, again, like the feelings here are genuine and very valid. But why put that all on August? Yeah. You know, like, like Jane did go along with it. It's not that August came in here and was just like, I'm going to force you to remember, bitch. Yeah, it's really, I guess, mm -hmm. taking it out on the one person who understands. Yeah, exactly. And so Jane was pretty much like, I don't want to see you again. For a couple of reasons where, like, if she doesn't see August for a while, she will start to forget, which mm. she thinks is better for her. So she won't have to remember all these things and essentially think about all oh, the, the life that she's missed out on. And also for August to move on, because it's like, girl, you are in love with this fucking ghost question mark on a train. Like, you need to get a life. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, like... <laughs> What are the odds that this ends well? Yeah, exactly. It's like, what, you're gonna <laughs> fuck in the subway for the rest of time? God. While you get older and Jane doesn't? Ooh. Oh, is there gonna be, like, this, like, pervy old lady with this, like, <laughs> babe 20-something-year-old? 27? 28? She's something like that, right? 
Uh, Late 20s? Early 30s? I think she's early 20s. I think she's like 24. Early 20s? Holy shit. Yeah, because I know August is like 23. I think Jane was like 26. 26 is like sticking in my brain. Okay. But we'll see. Who knows? Well, really, she's like 76. (laughs) Ooh, she's the pervy old lady. (laughs) It's like in Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where edward cullen became a became a vampire at 17 how long have you been 17 a while and so he's like bella i don't want to turn you into a vampire because no one deserves that kind of fate and she's like what so i'm just gonna get older and then eventually like it's gonna be me my old ass with your young ass but he's actually like a hundred something years old oh my god <laughs> everything circles back to twilight <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Grandma, what huge knockers you have. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) So there is a day soon after this where she talks with Jerry, the line cook, who has worked at Billy's since it opened, and she suddenly, like, jogs his memory about Jane. Because previously he was like, I don't know who the Sue special is named after. I was drunk for a lot of the 70s. But... All of a sudden, it just kind of clicks for him again. He says Jane left New York, and that actually the day before she left New York, she saved his life. And not figuratively, literally saved his life. Mm -hmm. The way that (laughs) Jerry's memory is triggered is he goes into the back office, which no one uses. And so August essentially set up her little base there with all of her timelines and pictures and newspaper clippings and shit. Very like... Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia with Pepe Silva with like the big wall and like the red yarn connecting shit. I got all these letters. They say Jane Sue, Jane Sue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit, I gotta dig a little deeper. (laughs) There is no Jane Sue. (laughs) So um, (laughs) that's essentially the back office because she's like, hey, nobody uses this anyway. So let me just set up my base of operations now. And Cherry's like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) He's like, but wait a second. I know this lady. And so he took her fucking shrine wall of red yarn nonsense for his memory to be triggered. It's so funny. (laughs) So yeah, Jane saved his life. Her last day in town, July of 1977, they went to Coney Island, rode the Wonder Wheel, had too many beers. And then she dragged my drunk ass to the queue. And let me tell you what a dumbass I used to be. There was drunk as my Aunt Naomi at my cousin's bris. (laughs) (laughs) And I walked to the edge of the platform and puked my guts out. And when I got done, I fell clean off onto the tracks. And Jane jumped down and got him out. And August's like, yeah, that's Jane throwing herself onto the tracks to save someone else. August says, and then what? And Jerry says, kid, do you know what happened in New York in July of 77? She runs through her mental files. Son of Sam, the birth of hip hop, the blackout. Wait. And so it was the blackout. The blackout, Jerry confirms. I passed out on a bench, and when I woke up, it was fucking chaos. I mean, I barely made it home. I guess I lost her in the chaos, and her bus was first thing in the morning. So that was it. I never saw her again. You didn't try to call her to make sure she made it out? You do know what blackout means, right? I couldn't even get down the street to see if she was at her apartment. Anyway, she lost my number after that. Can't say I blame her after I almost got us both killed. Whole reason I stopped drinking that year. And you never heard from her again? Nope. Can I ask you one more question? Jerry grumbles but says, sure. The place she was moving. It was California, wasn't it? You know what? Yeah, I think it was. How'd you know? Lucky guess. 
But yeah, when August and her friends were kind of theorizing as to what could have possibly triggered Jane to get stuck on that train, Mila was like, it had to be some kind of big event. And so the blackout of 77, yeah, that's a pretty big event. Very big event, yeah. Pretty big. <laughs> we found out that Jane said she heard from an old friend she never expected to hear from again, and he convinced her to move back to California. Yeah, so it turns out Augie didn't actually die in <gasps> 1973. Yay. What a fucking emotional roller coaster we're on. Seriously, holy shit. Yeah, uh, he didn't die. He moved to California because there was a postcard on Augie's definitely not conspiracy theorist wall that was marked April 76. Yep, three years after he supposedly died. Checkmate atheists. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's really funny because I was mentioning red yarn and shit, and there's actually a bit here. <laughs> she finishes taping up the last photo, and she has to admit, it is a little primetime television detective. There's no yarn yet, though. August is proud of that. Yarn is the one thing separating her from a full-scale conspiracy theorist, also known as the full Suzette. Suzette being her mother. <laughs> Get her ass. <laughs> Get her mentally at last. <laughs> Me at myself. <laughs> Same. They start talking about how does the blackout fit into all of this? Mm -hmm. Okay, we know Jane was on the tracks during the citywide power surge that caused the 77 blackout. So my theory... The burst of power on the already super powerful electrified rail created some kind of crack in time that she slipped through, and now she's tethered to the electricity of the rails. Myla thinks that if we can recreate the event, we can break her out of the time slip. All we have to do is figure out a way to recreate the conditions of the, of the 77 blackout. Which is an insane thing to try and do. Yeah, and so even Wes is just like, that's ridiculous. I mean, the city was set into chaos. You know, he's like, you want to recreate that? That's fucking bonkers. And so they said, no, not essentially, you know, citywide, but can we find a way to contain it to just Jane's rail? So she says, the New York City Transit Power Control Center, located in Manhattan on West 53rd Street, these two blocks of buildings manage the power to the entire MTA with several substations. If we can get access, we can figure out which substation controls the queue and we can find a way to create a power surge. That might work. So Milo says you're missing something. Just being near the queue when the blackout happened isn't enough for her to get stuck. There must have been thousands of people on trains and in stations during that surge, and none of them got stuck. There's another variable you're not accounting for. Basically, when you have an event like the blackout and an outage is caused by a power surge, a lightning strike in this case, there are actually two surges. The first one that overloads the line and makes the lights go out, and the second... You know when you were a kid and the electricity would go out during a storm and then when it comes back, there's half a second when the lights come on too bright? That's the second surge. So if we were somehow able to do this, we'd have two chances. Mila says that she would ask around and see if anyone from her engineering program has any connections to the MTA. Soon after that, Jane texts her and says, turn on the radio. And a request on the radio station that they both listen to comes on. This request goes out to August. Jane says she's sorry. Okay, so Jane and August make up. They had no reason to fight in the first place, so I'm yeah. glad that the fight didn't last too long. A bit that did make me laugh, though, is like when they're making up, there's just, there's just this fucking guy there, and he's like, you done? It's the fucking subway, not the fucking notebook. Want to get us all fucking stuck here for an hour while they scrape a couple of lesbians off the fucking tracks? You're right, Jane says through a slightly hysterical laugh, snatching August's hand up and tugging her away. Don't know what we were thinking. 
I'm actually bisexual, August adds faintly over her shoulder. <laughs> Bisexuals be like, I'm actually bisexual. <laughs> As a bisexual, I can't confirm. <laughs> we also find out that Jane has been keeping a notebook of her own. Oh my god. Which whenever somebody mentions something that she doesn't know, she writes it down to look it up later. Right now, she has... <laughs> Oh, man. Some of the things she has on here. The first one being Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> but no Fortnite? No Fortnite, surprisingly. The fuck? <laughs> Frank Ocean, Easy Mac, Apple versus PC, Postmates, Barack Obama, The Golden Girls, Instagram, Jurassic Park, Gogurt, Jolly Ranchers, Star Wars, What is a Prequel? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, at first I wanted to go back to the 70s. But then there was you, and I wanted to know what made you, you. And I, I don't know. At some point, I guess I decide it wouldn't be the worst thing if I had to stay. It could be okay. She's like, you know, if I want to stay here, then I want to, like, learn some things. Also, on that list of things, tag yourself, I'm Gogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that was going to be mine. <laughs> um... I'm a yogurt bitch. I love yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. I am uh, Jolly Ranchers <laughs> and Overwatch. <laughs> if I had to choose a second one, I'd probably be, what is a prequel? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, girl, just wait till you see Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Shane writes in her notebook, who is Ian McGregor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sit her down and watch Moulin Rouge with her, too. <laughs> so we find out that the rest of the story about Jane saving Jerry's life is that she jumped down to get him, pulled him back up, and as she was coming back up, her backpack fell down onto the tracks. She was trying to get it, and she tripped and fell on the third rail. The third rail is the rail on the subway that is electrified. <gasps> it has, like, fucking 50,000 volts or something running through it at any given time. I remember seeing the third rail right in front of my face, and I thought, fuck, this is it. This is how I die. That's so fucking stupid, <laughs> which is what I would think, too. Yeah. And then there's nothing, because they then theorized that she touched the third rail at the exact moment that the power surge caused the blackout, and the burst of energy that happened threw her out of time. She also hands Jane the postcard from Augie. She's like, yeah, he was still alive. This came out of nowhere. I don't even know how he found me. I was getting mail from a ghost. I almost didn't call the number, but I did, and it was him. Something happened on his way to work that night. Some neighbor needed help, and someone had a flat tire or something. He missed his shift. He was supposed to be there when the fire happened, but he missed his shift. He wasn't there. He survived. So apparently, Augie was like an alcoholic and hitchhiking across the country for a couple of years afterwards feeling like some immense survivor's guilt. Oh, yeah. But then a truck driver dropped him off in Castro, and someone pulled him off the sidewalk and told him that they'd give him some help. He was doing well. He was sober. He'd gotten his life together. He had a steady boyfriend. They were living together. He sounded happy. And he told me he thought I should come home, that San Francisco was ready for people like us now. We'll take care of each other, Jane. And Jane agreed to move back. Jerry said, August says... Well, he said you were supposed to be moving back to California. Yeah, it was. The way Augie talked about his family, that's what did it for me. He felt like he missed his chance with them, and I I saw through the guilt for a second. I realized I didn't have to miss mine. New York was good. 
It really was. It gave me a lot of stuff I hadn't had since New Orleans. It was like I finally figured out who I was, how to be who I was, and I wanted my family to know that person. So I mailed Augie my record collection, and I was going to call him when I got into town. Did they know? August asks. Your family. Did they know you were coming back? No, Jane says. I haven't talked to them since 71. I was too nervous to call. Can I ask you something else? Did Augie tell you why he stopped writing home? He used to write my mom every week until summer 1973. She never heard from him again after that. No, he he told me he was still writing to her. He said she hadn't written back in years and he didn't think she wanted to hear from him anymore. But he was still writing. She never got them, did she? And no, she didn't. I feel like they might bring it up at some point later on, but I, we can assume, and I feel like correctly assume, that Augie and Suzette's parents, so August's grandparents, hid the letters from their daughter because they resented their son so much and everything. And so that's why she never heard from him again. Yep. So even though cutting off ties with her grandparents should have been August's choice, I can understand her mother's motives a bit more now that we have like yeah. that kind of confirmation. You know, what is there to say? It's just, it's just a lot. A lot. Everything in this book is so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, everything from the 70s is just like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, it just keeps happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. So fast forward a little bit, and it turns out that Mila has a connection at the MTA. How convenient, isn't that? Wow. Yeah. Who is it, Nicole? Oh, it's kind of her ex, (laughs) as in the one she left for Nico. (laughs) (laughs) August wants to scream, so we have a perfect in at the exact (laughs) place we need access to, but we can't use it because of your inability to keep it in your pants. Says the woman getting subway head from a revenant, Mila (laughs) counters. It's just... My God, (laughs) the queer drama never stops. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So Billy's is going to close. Unless uh, the, yeah, damn, rip and piece pancake boss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because they're what, like doubling their rent or something fucking bizarre like that? Yeah, something fucking illegal. Yeah. (laughs) The like landlord will sell to Billy, but the price is $100,000 and apparently no bank will give Billy a loan. (laughs) Which is very suspicious, <laughs> to be honest. But okay, whatever. So they are going to hold a drag show fundraiser in the subway. <laughs> they initially are going to have it at Billy's, but then they very quickly sell out to capacity. And they're like, okay, we'll we'll go and have this drag show in the subway. <laughs> So it was actually Mila's idea because, you know, it's got a cool vibe going. But also if they convince the city to let them use a control center as a venue, they would have easier access to like fucking with the line. Mm. Yeah. So it actually says then once we get in, we just have to keep people distracted while I fuck with the line, which should be easy with a party that size. It'll only take a couple minutes, I think. And so that she she would reach out to Gabe, her ex, for help. So basically the plan is they're going to unelectrify Jane by Basically, seducing Mila's ex, grabbing the key to the, (laughs) like, generators, the switch or something from him, and electrocuting Jane again at Coney (laughs) Island. (laughs) Which, like, there's so much more detail to it, but really the plan is just put Jane on the third rail and electrocute her. Yeah. (laughs) And that they get two chances at it, because when they short out the power... 
there's one surge and when it comes back there's a second surge so they get two chances to send jane back or well there are three outcomes where are the outcomes nicole jane says the way i see it there are three possible outcomes i go back i stay i die i have to be okay with any one of those so yeah who fucking knows what's gonna happen i mean really everyone thought she was dead anyway yeah exactly Okay, so we got to talk about Myla's ex, (laughs) Gabe, who is the most character of all time. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He, first of all, is introduced. um, Here's how he's described. (laughs) A 20-something guy with black coffee and a dog-eared mold skin, floppy hair, and a pointy chin. He's got flannel tied around his waist and a faded pickle rick button on his messenger bag. August cannot imagine what he and Myla ever had in common. He looks almost pathetically happy to see her. (laughs) They just dunk on this man for like 50 straight pages. I love it. (laughs) Poor bastard. Oh man, he sucks so bad. Yep. Uh, First of all, pickle rick pin, funniest shit I've ever seen. For real. He apparently at some point blocked Mila on social media because he couldn't stand to see how well she was doing, <laughs> which also very sad. Oh, God, this fucking guy is so pathetic. And immediately after meeting up with her for coffee, he texts her like the second she leaves, which, oh, my God, boy, you got to have some game. Yeah, please. like Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> so Mila's like, oh, should I feel bad about this? As in like manipulating him and using him. And Wes says, I overheard him explaining wage disparity to Lucy earlier. He said he believes he's undermining capitalism by choosing not to pay his own rent. Oh, my God. What a fucking guy. Oh, God. What a guy. Yeah. The plan, as outlined on the whiteboard and then thoroughly erased, destroy all evidence. One, wait for the party to hit maximum capacity. Two, Mila seduces Gabe's security clearance badge away from him. Three, August sneaks out to meet Jane on the queue. Four, West stages a diversion to pull security guards away from the control room door. Five, Myla overloads the line while Jane stands on the third rail. Really simple, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. The logistics were a bit complicated, but like overall, yeah. very, very straightforward plan. And <laughs> fucking Myla, where she's like, hey, Gabe, can I talk to you for a second? And he's like, yeah, sure. What's up? And she's like, no, I meant alone. and he's like oh okay yeah this poor this this pathetic ass guy so she like drags him away and Myla's like nico everything i'm about to say to this guy is a complete and total lie and i love you and will marry you and adopt a hundred three-eyed ravens or whatever it is your weird ass wants instead of kids i know nico says back did you just propose to me oh shit i guess i did i'm so mad at you nico says i already have a ring at home (laughs) that is basically how mads and i got engaged is it really yeah, we had a conversation about, like, moving, essentially, and we were like, it'd be easier if we wanted to move to a different country so that Mads could go to school there if we were married. And then, like, two minutes later, we were like, are we engaged now? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So Myla is, is like, seducing Myla. him. She's like, when Nico's asleep, sometimes I think about you. That one time in the elevator of my dorm... You remember, I couldn't walk straight for two days. And also, everyone else is listening in on walkie-talkies because Myla, like, 
turned her sound off but still has the microphone on (laughs) (laughs) so everyone's chiming in yikes Wes says amateur Nico notes it's so fucking funny like everyone in the group chat like oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) wait I missed you I didn't even know what you'd been doing for the past two years you've been keeping yourself for me huh I mean, honestly, it's mostly this job. Um, Yeah, and I got really into intermittent fasting and vaping. Those are like my two main hobbies. (laughs) You suck so hard. (laughs) Those are hobbies, Wes Deadpans. Do I even want to know what that means? Jane asks. He has this idea for a line of, like, savory jewel pods. Also, I love how, like, when this is happening, Nico's like, shh, it's getting good. Like, he's like, yeah, like, let me hear this. <laughs> like, getting a kick out of this, which I loved. Uh, Nicole, would you like a buffalo chicken vape? Oh, my God. I just, I want to read this whole bit here because it's just so fucking yeah. funny. Um, It's actually really interesting. I read about how Silicon Valley programmers can go t- for 20, 22 hours straight without eating or only supplementing with a meal replacement placement shake apparently skipping meals and restricting nutrients makes time go by more slowly so you can get more done in your day that's how i have time to do this job and start making a business plan for my line of jewel pods bitch you're not special i have an eating disorder too (laughs) i'm close to having my first product line developed then i'll go into market testing my concept is like savory pods you know how you only ever see sweet ones but what about like a buffalo chicken vape or this is transcendent, Nico says. <laughs> it sounds like he's got a mouthful of pancake. She has to kill him, Wes says. It's the only way. And meanwhile, like he's he's still fucking going. Pepperoni pizza vape, bacon cheeseburger vape, you know? And for the vegetarians, there's a whole line with bean burrito and nacho cheese and paneer tikka masala flavors. <laughs> anyway, I'm still looking for investors. I'm so glad you're into the idea. It's been hard to pitch. Yeah, I guess some people have preconceived notions about uh, what vapes should taste like. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you you know what? I have some samples in my car. Did I tell you I got a Tesla last year? I mean, technically, my dad got it. But anyway, let me go grab some and you can taste for yourself. Oh, you really don't have to do that. No problem at all, Miles. And then she's like, fuck, I didn't get the badge. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel the huge grin that the author had on her face writing this this part. It's so funny. But also, how the fuck did Myla ever end up with this guy? Listen, I have dated some girls that I have regretted dating. Actually, I, yeah, I can't talk anyway. I've slept with a lot of people I regret sleeping with. It's fine. Yeah. It do be like that sometimes. It's your 20s. It's for making mistakes and sleeping with assholes yeah. like this one. That one girl that I uh, that I was sleeping with around the time that we were originally going to do three little words. Oh my god! I so regret that. Cannot believe I let that girl fuck me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, and so she didn't get the badge. So August is like, "Fuck it, I'll do it," and she ends up like running right into Gabe and like splattering pancake batter all over him. And he's like, "This jacket is vintage." And that's all it takes, concern over his stupid jacket, for him not to notice when she slides her hand under the towel and unclips the badge from his lanyard. I'm so sorry. I I can give you my Venmo and you can charge me for the dry cleaning. He sighs heavily. Don't worry about it. And so she got the badge. (laughs) Yeah, and she doesn't have to pay for his stupid jacket. Hell yeah. Win-win. You ready? August asks Wes, sidling up beside him at the trash can. He smirks and raises an eyebrow. Ready to commit some arson at a loud party? This is what I was born to do. (laughs) 
So yeah, Wes sets a fire in a trash can <laughs> to cause a distraction, which I think in real life might have ended up killing some people. But you know, it's fiction. We can just. It's we can fine. Just, it's fine, yeah. Pocahontas. It's fine. I will marry Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I will set fire in the trash can. <laughs> Grandma, no. Okay, so yeah, three seventy one. Goodbye, just in case. So they ride the train up to Coney Island, uh, which is kind of a long ride, to be honest. Yeah. It's like an hour. <laughs> and they end up saying goodbye because they don't know what the hell is going to happen when, when they do this. Well, I mean, we have three possible outcomes here. Jane is like, all right, like, let me give you all my stuff back. So she gives her the phone because she doesn't want to bring it back to the 70s in case it causes like some kind of time paradox or whatever. But she also gives August her jacket. And August is like, I can't take that. I'm not asking you, Jane says. I'm telling you. I want you to have it. And who knows? Maybe I'll stay and you can give it right back. And August says, fine, but you have to take this with you. It's a Polaroid, the one Nico took of them the night of Easter brunch before August accidentally solved part of the mystery with a kiss. Inside the little square of film, Jane screaming with laughter, a wad of cash pinned to her chest and a crown on her head, the constant backdrop of the queue behind her. She has a red lipstick print on the side of her sharp jaw. Under her arm is August, turned away from the chaos, gazing up at Jane's profile like she's the only person on the planet. Her lipstick is smudged. God, I love Polaroid. Right? I think that picture is just so cute and really just like the perfect thing to send back with Jane. Absolutely. Oh, wait, and then they say the thing. Yeah, they do say the thing. <laughs> they move through Brooklyn swiftly, barely anyone at the final few stops. August glances up at the board. One last stop. They said it. Yeah, they did it. <laughs> Cinema sins. Ding. <laughs> hey, she says, if you go back, Jane nods. If I do, will you tell people about me? Jane huffs out a laugh. Are you kidding me? Of course I will. What do you tell them? There was this girl. There was this girl. I met her on a train. The first time I saw her, she was covered in coffee and smelled like pancakes, and she was beautiful like a city you always wanted to go to. Like how you wait years and years for the right time, and then as soon as you get there, you have to taste everything and touch everything and learn every street by name. I felt like I knew her. She reminded me who I was. She had soft lips and green eyes and a body that wouldn't quit. August elbows her, Jane smiles. Hair like you wouldn't believe. Stubborn, sharp as a knife. And I never, ever wanted a person to save me until she did. Throw up. Yeah. Ugh, I love them. It's so cute. Honestly, so fucking romantic. Seriously. This, this part is just like so fucking dreamy. Like there's so much here. Yeah. Because like this might be the last time they see each other. So they have to get all that out there. They say I love you. Yeah. Hey, Subway girl, August calls out. I love you. I'm abs I'm in absolute fuck off life ruining love with you and I can't I can't do this and not tell you she goes on Jane staring at her with her mouth popped open in soft surprise maybe you already know maybe it's obvious and saying it is just gonna make this harder but god I love you August's mouth keeps moving half shouting into the empty tracks and she barely knows what she's saying anymore but she can't stop I fell in love with you the day I met you and then I fell in love with the person you remembered you are I got to fall in love with you twice that's that's magic you're the first thing i've believed in since since i don't even remember okay your your movies and destiny and every stupid impossible thing and it's not because of the fucking train it's because of you it's because you fight and you care and you're always kind but never easy and you won't let anything take that away from you you're my fucking hero jane i don't care if you think you're not one you are 
And Jane says, of course. Her voice comes from deep in the solid center of her chest, her protest voice projected up to the platform. It could wake the dead. Of course I love you. I could go back and have a whole life and get old and never see you again, and you would still be it. You were, you are the love of my life. And then Myla comes in on the radio and says, are you ready? And uh, she is. And everything goes black. Silence. Nothing but the shock of darkness. The street outside the station goes dark too, eerily quiet and still. August's long refused to release. She remembers what Jane said, the day they danced with strangers on the stalled train. The emergency lights. They flicker on and August half expects them to flood down onto a deserted track. But there's Jane, feet on the third rail. That kind of shock would have killed anyone else. She doesn't even look startled. Oh my god, August says. Did it? Are you? I... Jane's voice is hoarse, almost staticky. I don't know. She makes a weird jerky motion with one foot, trying to take a step outside of the tracks. She can't. It didn't work. Mila says, fuck, was anything off? Was the timing right? Are you sure she was touching the third rail? Yeah, she was touching it. She's still touching it. She's... Okay, so it's not hurting her? No, is there something wrong with it? August leans past the edge of the platform, trying to see better. Should I... Don't touch it, August. Jesus. There's nothing wrong with the third rail. She's just... She's still in between. Make sure she keeps touching it. If I blacked out the line and she's still there, it means residual electrification on the rail is what's keeping her here for now. For now? What? Why didn't it work? And Lila says, I don't know. We were never going to be able to produce a surge as powerful as the one that got her stuck. I mean, fuck, this station's part solar powered now, which is a whole other factor. The hope was that something close would be enough. So that's it? August says, flat. It's not going to work. There's one more chance. The second surge, remember? When I undo what I did and restore power, there'll be another surge. We can we can hope this one will put it over. She might have some charge left over from the first one. That could help. So the next surge is going to happen in just a couple of minutes. And actually, as the residual power is fading from the third rail, Jane actually starts kind of looking like she's dying. Yeah. Without the power coursing through the line, well, she, well, she doesn't look good. All the color is drained from her face, no more summer glow, even her eyes seem flat. It's the first time August has looked at her and actually seen a ghost. Hey, you're okay, August calls down to her. Jane holds a hand in front of her face, examining her own fingers. I don't know about that. It, it doesn't feel good, I feel weird. Hey, look at me, you're getting out of here tonight one way or another, I don't care what it takes, okay? August climbs down onto the tracks, as the rail is about to be like set up again. Almost ready, says Nico's voice from August's pocket. And August, August thinks about what she just said. The nerves in Jane's body, electrical impulses, feedback loops, a scarf, an orange, hands brushing into sparks. What Jane feels, what August makes her feel. The love of my life. She pushes herself off the platform. Jane's eyes snap open at the sound of August's feet landing on the tracks. Whoa, whoa, what are you doing? What's the one thing that worked, August says. She crosses the first two rails, balancing on the tracks. One wrong step and she'll be crashing down to the street. This whole time, Jane, what's the one thing that made this all happen? She sees the moment when Jane realizes what she means. Her eyes go wide, frightened, furious. No, she says. Ten seconds, Nico says. Come on, August says. She's inches away. I'm right. You know I'm right. August, don't. Jane, please. Why is it, Jane? What's the one thing that could put it over? August and Jane and the third rail and the thing she's prepared to do, and Jane is looking at August like she's breaking her heart. It's you, Jane says. 
Now, Nico says, and August doesn't think, doesn't breathe, doesn't hesitate. She slams her foot down on Jane's to hold it to the rail, and she grabs Jane's face in both hands, and she kisses her as hard as she can. I also gotta say, this whole sequence is so cinematic. Yeah, right? I want to see a movie of this. I know they're making a movie of her other book, but can we get one of this too? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I want to see this. I think this movie would do gangbusters. Oh my god. We're gonna have to come up with, like, our cast. Yeah. <laughs> Fan cast. Yeah, oh my god. There's a moment in between. August wakes up on the trash couch from the living room, surrounded by a swampy fog of burning sage and lavender, ears ringing, whole body sore. Jane's jacket is draped over her like a blanket. She can remember the tracks, the look on Jane's face, something white hot flashing through her, and then she wakes up. But there's a moment in between. Myla touches her hair gently and says that Wes and Isaiah got to the station first and found her on the platform. At the end of the couch, Wes hugs his knees to his chest. He's got a black eye. Apparently, August didn't want to go without Jane. Apparently, she fought. They brought her back here, and as soon as Nico and Myla could leave the party, they caught the queue home. It was running again. They didn't see Jane. She's gone. She was gone by the time Wes and Isaiah got to the station. But there was a moment, right after August kissed her. It didn't hurt, somehow. It was a heat that blazed through her, wrapping around like standing on wet, hot asphalt on a hundred-degree day and feeling a breeze whip the warmth from the ground around her legs. Her eyes were squeezed shut, but for a moment, before everything went black, she saw something. She saw a street corner. Boxy brown cars parked along the road, graffiti on buildings that aren't there anymore. She saw, for a second, like looking through the slats and the blinds before they flutter shut, Jane's time. The place where Jane belongs. And now, August is here. It worked, August says, half hysterical, before she rolls over and throws up on the rug. <laughs> <laughs> that rug takes some abuse in for, this book. For real. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, time passes. I mean, how long passes, does it say? Three months. Yeah. So later that week... She's listening to the station that she and Jane always listen to. And the DJ's voice comes on over the speakers. And he says, All right, listeners, I've got something special for you this morning. Normally, we don't take requests in advance, but this particular caller has been so loyal to us that when she called last week and asked if we'd play a song today, we decided to make an exception. Oh, oh no. This one's for you, August. Jane says, just in case. Love of my life starts to play, and August drops her socks to the floor and climbs into bed. It's, it's, uh, so deeply sad. For real. So Jane, Jane is just gone. Also, Nico tries to tell her some bullshit, some psychic-ass bullshit. Oh, yeah. that she's like, I, <laughs> He's like, I saw this coming. <laughs> he's like, I saw this. Not, not that this would happen, but I saw that you had something in you that could reach across. That could make impossible things happen. And I saw I saw a lot of pain behind you, in front of you. I'm sorry I didn't tell you sooner. Like, bitch, you're not psychic. You're just observant. Well, also, case. like, he didn't have to say that. He did not. <laughs> he didn't that, have just, to say that. that just really feels like digging in the knife for no reason. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but just remember I'm psychic. Um, in case you forgot, let me let me just tell you a little little something. Like, that's what it feels like. Psychic pansexuals be like, I saw this coming, also I'm pansexual. <laughs> <laughs> so in October, her mom visits. And I believe this is the first time they've spoken since their their fallout. Yeah, so like a couple of months. Yeah. So 
get ready for the rest of the Augie emotional roller coaster. Yeah, seriously, Jesus fucking Christ. Because we're not done. <laughs> you thought we were done, listeners? Think again. Oh, what? You thought this had a happy ending? Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> August says, I looked into Biusu and I found her. And she found some information about Augie. And then she did her own investigation. In the weeks since Jane left, August hadn't looked for her, but she has looked for Augie. Everything she's found is in a manila folder she hands to her mom. A postcard in Augie's handwriting from California to New York. A phone number, which she finally managed to match to an old classified ad that led to a storage facility with a blessedly stringent record keeping. The name of the man who shared Augie's number and apartment in Oakland. Now happily married to another man, but struck momentarily speechless when August told him over the phone that she was Augie's niece. A copy of a fake driver's license with Augie's photo, a few years older than the last time her mom saw him. A different name. He'd gotten in some trouble on his way to California. He'd stopped using his legal name. It was all behind him by 76 when he wrote to Jane, but it meant they could never find him after 73. The last item is a newspaper clipping about a car accident. A 29-year-old bachelor with an Oakland address wrecked his convertible in August of 77. He was driving the panoramic highway. He died, but not the way Jane thought. He died happy. He died chasing a dream, loved and sober and sun-drenched in California. The man he left behind still has a box in his attic filled with photos. Augie smiling in front of the painted ladies, Augie hugging a redwood, Augie getting kissed under the mistletoe. There are copies of those in the folder, too along with a carbon copy of the letter Augie wrote to his kid sister in 1975, proof that he never stopped trying to reach her. Her mom cries. Of course she does. Holy shit. Yeah, it's like, okay, what was your theory about what happened to Augie? I honestly didn't know. I mean, I was like pretty set that he had like died in that fire when that was mentioned. And then it's like, oh, when he didn't die, I was like, what the fuck could have happened to him? And so... I don't know. I always assumed that he had had like some kind of happy ending, mm -hmm. but wasn't entirely sure. See, I thought that he got thrown out of time like Jane. Oh, no, I didn't. I don't think I went there. And that's why nobody could find him, because he's just maybe he's also just riding a subway somewhere forever. Yeah. But I thought like sequel oh, idea. He died chasing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he died chasing his dream and driving the panoramic highway. It's just it's somehow more sad to me mm -hmm. where it's just like, yeah, he died happy. He died like doing what he loved, but he fucking died. Yeah. He died at my age, mm -hmm. at your age, Nicole. Like what a fucking tragedy. Yeah. I don't know. It, this shit made me cry. I literally started like tearing up while you were reading that. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. But the really lovely thing is that August's mom sleeps over that night on an old air mattress in August's room, and she says, One thing, though, this BU person, the one who lived with Augie, could I meet her? And suddenly August's throat is almost too thick to answer. I really wish you could, she manages, but she doesn't live here anymore. Oh, her mom says. She gives August's hand a squeeze. That's okay. And somehow it actually sounds like she's done asking questions. After 50 years, her mother has closure. Yeah. 
so much closure that she doesn't care. She's done. A little bit before that, too, she was, you know, thinking about all the things that she could do now that the case is solved. Like, maybe cooking, maybe I'll finally learn how to bake, maybe I'll get into ceramics. Ooh, do you think I'd like kickboxing? Like, her mother is now, like, going to have a life. Yeah, after 50 years. 50 years. And this part, too, got me a little bit. August lies awake for another hour after her mom falls asleep, staring at the moonlight on the wall. If, after all these years, Suzette Landry can let the case go, maybe one day August can let Jane go, too. Yeah. But it's just like, girl, it took her 50 years. Like, fuck. 50 years. 50 fucking years. Sad as shit. Yep. I'm also just, like, so happy for this woman to seemingly have really started a road to recovery. Yeah. Because, again, it's just, like, I mean, she made a lot of bad decisions in terms of, like, raising August, even though, like, she clearly was not in the right state to do so. But, again, it's, like, we understand her motives. Yeah. And they're incredibly valid. And now that she's finally getting this closure, it's a fucking relief. Like, I, I, like, let out a breath. I didn't know I was holding. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, in, in this, like, really sad series of events there is at least some happiness to be found. Yeah, exactly. And so a couple of months later, or actually in November, so the next month, Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes is still $14,327 away from shuttering for good. And August gets a call saying that her grandmother's estate has been settled and that she should get a check in the mail next week. And what she ends up receiving is a check for $15,000. <laughs> Part of me wishes I had been, like, 20, 25, just so that she could have something in her fucking life. Nah. (laughs) But, you know, whatever, I guess. The thing is that she sends the entire thing, apparently, anonymously to Billy. Yeah. Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes stays open. Yay, we did it. And so there is a party celebrating the permanent reopening of Pancake Billy's. And during this party... The front door opens. Uh, The room's too busy throwing back champagne to notice, but when August glances across the dining room, there's a young woman standing in the door. Who is it? She looks lost. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Shit, sorry. (laughs) It's Jane. Oh. Oh. Yeah, so... Read the description books, it's nice. (laughs) (laughs) She looks lost, a little shocked, unsteady on her feet. Her hair is inky black and short, swept back from her face, and her cheeks are flushed from the November chill outside. White t-shirt... Ripped jeans, sharp cheekbones, and an armful of tattoos. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about the I think you should leave bit where <laughs> I used to be a piece of shit. <laughs> white, white t-shirt, ripped jeans, slick back hair, sloppy steaks. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, a single dimple at one side of her mouth. August thinks she throws a chair out of the way. It's possible a bottle of hot sauce hits the linoleum and shatters. The specifics blur out. All she knows is she clears the room in seconds. Who is it? It's Jane. (gasps) Jane, impossibly here, now, her red chucks planted on the black and white floor. Hi, Jane says, and her voice sounds the same. Her voice sounds the same, and she looks the same, and when August reaches out and grasps desperately for her shoulders, they feel exactly the same as they always have under her hands. Solid, real, alive. For Jane, no time has passed. Yeah. She woke up at Coney Island, like, seconds after August kissed her. 
And she's like, okay, I guess I'll go. I don't know when it is, but I guess I'm going to go to Pancake Billy's because <laughs> either I work there or I'll find August. <laughs> yeah, just like the end of that chapter really gets me too. It's so good. All those months, all the trips up and down the line, all the songs on the radio, all of it, all the work, all the trying and scraping and tearing at the seams of what she can see, all for this, all for her arms wrapped around Jane in a diner on a Saturday afternoon. Her girl. She came back. Her girl. Her girl. Uh, God, that always fucking gets me. It's also so hot. And God, then I they bang. Position. Then they bang a lot. Hell yeah. <laughs> Woo! Love that for them. Yeah, it's raining on their way home. They catch a taxi and they get back and strip off clothes and take a shower together. Jane pins her to the bathroom sink and kisses her. And when August is finally down to only her wet bra and underwear, she opens her eyes. She keeps having these moments where she has to stare at Jane, like if she looks away for too long, she'll disappear. But here she is, standing in August's bathroom, hair damp and sticking out in every direction from where August has been tugging at it, in a black bra and briefs. There are her hip bones and her bare thighs and the rest of her tattoos, the animals up and down her sides, and they take a shower together. It's supposed to be just a shower, August swears, but everything is wet and warm and slick and it's too easy and natural for her hand to slip down between Jane's legs and Jane pushing back into her palm. It's been so long. What else is she supposed to do? Missed you so fucking much, August breathes out. She thinks it's lost in the rush of the shower, but Jane hears it. I'm here, Jane says, licking water from the hollow of August's throat. They essentially stumble out of the shower together and start to fuck on the bathroom floor. And then Jane's like, wait, you have a bed. <laughs> I love this. Yes, yeah, so they're on the bath mat. And Jane says, hang on. And she goes to pull back. August grabs her wrist. Why? For God's sake, why would you ever stop doing that? Because, Jane says, pinching August on the hip, I don't want to fuck you on the bathroom floor. We fucked on a subway. The bathroom floor is an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> I am not against the bathroom floor. I mean, there are a lot of places in this apartment where I have every intention of fucking you. I just want to start with the bed. Oh, right. The bed. They can have sex in a bed now. Yeah. It's luxury, the most basic parameters of privacy, a door, an empty apartment, an afternoon stretching out before them, and that's luxury. No train schedules or nosy commuters, no fluorescent lights, just touching for the luxury of touch, greedy because they can be. Also, August says, you know I still love you, right? It falls out of her mouth readily. Losing her made it so easy to say. Even though it's been months for me, I never even came close to stopping. Jane presses her lips to the center of August's chest. Tell me one more time. August lets out a quiet, eager sound when she moves again. I love you. I... I love you. And Jane presses her into the mattress and says, I'm here. I'm not leaving. Ugh. It's such romantic shit. Seriously. And also, this is probably the most detailed sex scene that we get. Oh, for sure. Even if it's just, like, kind of snippets. Yeah. One moment in particular that I want to highlight is something that I am, like, personally in my life not into mm -hmm. but oh my god when it is written here is the fucking <laughs> hottest thing and what's that it is face sitting i'm too autistic for that shit but <laughs> jane makes august come and she's like god she says breaking off from the kiss come up here i am up here jane says i'm kissing you no august licks her lips and reaches up to drag one fingertip across the bottom one here Oh, Jane exhales. Oh, okay. <laughs> First of all, 
August can feel the heat radiating off of her like wet sunlight, which is a, a good description. <laughs> Ready? She asks. Don't ask stupid questions, August tells her. She's thought about this more times than Jane can imagine. I just wanted... Fuck. Okay, stupid questions. Sorry. Fuck. Oh, fuck. And oh my god. August oh. thinks about summertime in New Orleans. Do you want to read this one? Oh my god, this is... You, I mean, you can go ahead and read it. This is no, just no, like you, everything to me. You read it. Oh my god. August thinks about summertime in New Orleans. Cups of ice and sugary syrup, satsuma and strawberry and honeysuckle dripping down her chin and sticking to her fingers. The familiar smother of steam and sweat. Jane rolls her hips, chasing the feeling, soft little moans falling out of her mouth faster and faster until she gives herself over. August's fingernails dig into the flesh of her thighs right where they meet her hips, and she loves this, loves Jane, loves the velvety insides of Jane's legs against her face, loves the way Jane feels on her lips and her tongue, loves how she moves in waves of desperate instinct without a hint of self-consciousness. August could learn how to live without breathing just to stay like this forever. So good. Hello? We also get... That's it, Jane whispers when August can barely stand to hear the desperate, dizzy sounds coming out of her own mouth. She's got one hand in her hips between August's thighs, chasing blindly and relentlessly after whatever August's body responds to. Jane fucks her like they're the center of the universe. August is in the stars. So gorgeous like this angel. God, I love you. August comes again with her hands in Jane's hair, eyes shut, body shaking, and it's not just the touch. Down to her fingertips, singing through her synapses, it's a love too big to be stopped. The unbearable, exquisite fullness of it. Impossible. The writing is so fucking good. It's really good. I was like telling some of my like fandom friends and I was like, you ever read something that just makes you feel horrible about your writing? I'm like, this is this book for me. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's so good. It's so it's well written. It's really good. Uh, Let me just delete everything I've ever written in my life because holy shit, it doesn't even compare. It's This is so good. <laughs> Oh, I also gosh. gotta say, I like that they don't really explain what happened. Yeah. They only really have theories. It's like, Mila's like, oh, like, time isn't exactly linear. You opened a door and saw into there, but Jane got lost again. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Jane's like, who, who fucking knows? Exactly. Just, They'll never it's know. some magical realism bullshit. Just accept it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Also, we find out that the first few weeks are rocky for Jane. Mm -hmm. She kind of oscillates between just being so ecstatic to be there and then just so, like, depressed and, like, honestly, slightly horrified still, I think. It's a lot. I mean, like, talk about, like, culture shock. I mean, yeah. this is, what, 50 years of shit that she has to learn? Yeah, like, Nicole, imagine waking up in fucking 2073. I would fucking throw up. Yep. Except that wouldn't I'm... be a thing anymore. We'll have iron wow. stomachs by that point. <laughs> Except for you. Except for me. Fuck. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like, look, look at this bitch. She doesn't even have a chrome stomach beep, or beep, data beep. chips in her asshole. <laughs> 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 the asshole is only used for data chips now there's no other purpose it's true we all have food in directly injected into our bloodstream yeah <laughs> also i do want to mention that myla takes jane to her favorite record store to help her catch up on contemporary music and jane really likes mitski and andre 3000 so mm -hmm. good taste <laughs> <laughs> fucking love me some andre 3000 
She also gets really into podcasts. Uh, yeah. A couple of specific podcasts. She also gets very into mukbangs on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it says here that her favorite podcast is The Three Little Words. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, thanks. Jane, huge shout out to, to Jane Sue in yeah. New York. <laughs> Jane, come on the show sometime. <laughs> Friend of the show. <laughs> Friend of the show, Jane. So. <laughs> she also really likes Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Which, like, hell yeah. What's your favorite yeah. Pop-Tart? Mine? Um, Wildberry. Ooh, I'm a s'mores bitch. Mm. Love me a s'more. God, Pop-Tarts are good. God. She also connects with Mila's parents, who are Chinese, and she practices Cantonese with them, and they send her, like, traditional Chinese snacks and food and things. And she just, like, really becomes a, a fixture of, of the household. Yeah, which also, like, Jesus Christ, how many people live in this apartment? And also, how big is it? Five and one dog. It is oh a three-bedroom. Holy moly. How many bathrooms do they have? One. Holy shit. <laughs> I have one bathroom to myself, and I feel like I could use another one. Honestly. <laughs> Jesus. Also, one day Jane and Nico are talking about how far strap-on technology has come since the 70s, <laughs> and August takes herself right back to bed. Five days of shipping and handling later, she wakes up deliciously sore and buys Nico a vegan donut as a thank you. <laughs> which is funny and, and a little hot. Yes. Oh, also, Jane starts working at Billy's again. Jerry sees her, and he takes like a big, long look at her. And then he just kind of shakes his head and goes back to working. <laughs> I think what the effect that's supposed to come across is like, he's like, no, it couldn't be. But I like to think he looks at her for like a straight 30 seconds and then he's just like, this fucking bitch and goes, yeah. <laughs> and goes back to work. Like a fucking course. She looks great for her 70s or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking cradle robber. <laughs> Or like, uh, of course, this bitch is somehow exactly the same age. Mm-hmm. Some people have all the luck. Ah, those bastards. So we learn a little earlier on that women in Jane's family tend to gray pretty early on in their lives, but that's never happened to Jane because she hasn't aged in like 50 years until one morning, August finds a gray hair on Jane's head, which is like... So nice. I mean, it's just, I feel like after an event like that, they're probably still thinking like, is this permanent? Like, is this real? Is this really happening? Are things okay? And there's just like extra confirmation that yes, like Jane isn't stuck in this time loop anymore because she is aging. Yeah, she's here. Yeah. It's like the final thing. August actually ends up finding Jane's family for her. I believe her parents are still alive too. Yeah. Um, yeah, her parents are alive, her sisters are alive, and they have their own kids. I think they have grandkids, too. I could be wrong. She basically gives Jane a file, and she's like, there is no pressure to look into your family, to, like, go and contact them, but I found them. Here you go. Which, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jane is like, how will I even explain this? And she says, I don't know, that's up to you. You could tell them that you're BU's granddaughter. You could come up with a story for what happened, or you could tell them the truth and see where that gets you. August says that she'll come on this trip to go out and see them. And they go. As they're getting on the bus to take them out to San Francisco, Jane says, I've been thinking lately, actually. What would you think about me going by BU all the time? August smiles. I'll call you anything you want, Subway Girl. And... Something about BU accepting, like, like really embracing her old name, 
Mm-hmm. It, it really feels like a mixing of like her past and her present and like a full acceptance of herself. Yes. It's just really nice. Mm-hmm. And then there's a letter at the end, which I will be straight with you. I did not read. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was because when we started recording this last month, <laughs> I came right down to the wire with it. And mm-hmm. this was like a, another five minutes of the audiobook, And I was like, I, I got to get on the call. <laughs> That's fine. I had to listen to this part because the cursive is a little difficult to read. I think I might have shown this to you before. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very, like, dense, but I will go ahead and read it. Letter from Jane Sue to August Landry, handwritten on a sheet of lined paper ripped from August's sex notebook, which Jane was definitely not supposed to know about. Secretly tucked into a jacket pocket the night of the Save Pancake Billy's House of Pancakes Pancake-a-Palooza Dragon Art Extravaganza, discovered months later on a bus to San Francisco. August. August, August, August. August is a time, a place, and a person. The first time I remember tasting a nectarine, my sisters were too small to be allowed in the kitchen. It was only my dad and me in the back of the restaurant, me propped up on a prep table. He was slicing one up, and I stole a piece, and he always told me that that was the moment he knew I'd be trouble. He taught me the word for it. I loved the way it felt in my mouth. It was late summer, warm but not hot, and nectarines were ripe. So, you know, August is a time. The first time I felt at home after I left home, New Orleans was dripping summer down my back. I was leaning against the wrought iron railing of our balcony, and it was almost hot enough to burn, but it didn't hurt. A friend I hadn't meant to make was in the kitchen cooking meat and rice, and he left the window open. The steam kept kissing the humid air, and I thought they're the same, like the bay is the same as the river. So August is a place. The first time I let myself fall, it wasn't hot at all. It was cold. January. There was ice on the sidewalks. At least, that's what I'd heard. But this girl felt like nectarines and balconies to me. She felt like everything. She felt like a long winter, then a nervous spring, then a sticky summer, and then those last days you never thought you'd get to. The ones that spread themselves out, 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 until they feel like they go on forever. So, August is a person. I love you. Summer never ends. Jane. That's really sweet. Really sweet. And August has also decided to pursue this whole like finding people thing because I mean, she has an act for it. She's been doing it for her entire life. But I mean, she saw how much I mean, like her mother got the closure that she needed. And, you know, they were now going to go and meet BU's family after all this time. And having these skills like she wants to be able to share them. So we end with like a Craigslist post that she made. Looking for someone in Brooklyn, posted December 29th, 2020. We all have ghosts, people who pass through our lives, there one moment and gone the next. Lost friends, family histories faded through time. I'm a freelance researcher and investigator, and I can find people who slipped through the cracks. Email me. Maybe I can help. And I have to assume that afterwards is like this. This poster is not is not open to <laughs> to unwarranted <laughs> solicitations. <laughs> So that's the book. That's the book. We didn't get a marriage in this book. We did get an engagement, but it wasn't even our two main characters. It's true. But yay, we did it. The lesbian books deliver again. Thank goodness. It's our third non-marriage in a lesbian story. Even if I know no one got me, the lesbians got me. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) My gosh. Nicole, would you like to move into Smash or Pass? Smash and Smash. Okay, I want to go into detail here. All right, let's do it. Okay, Nicole, B.U. Jane Sue. Smash. 
Yep. Huge agree. Oh my god. Big smash. I, it, the hardest smash. I love her attitude. I love her whole demeanor. I love how much she cares. She's like a deeply kind person. Mm-hmm. She is a punk through and through. She's exactly my type of woman. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Jane is everything to me. Okay, so Nicole, August Landry, smash or pass? Smash. Smash, smash, smash. I'm going to give a controversial pass. On really? August. <gasps> I'm sorry, August. You got to go to therapy before oh, I sure. smack. It's a, it's a soft temporary. Once you go to therapy, <laughs> call me. But until then, girl, you got you got to get some help. Oh, my God. You, even but after like, all yeah. this, you have so much unresolved trauma. Oh, for sure. It's not something that you can fix with Nico's fucking sage. I can fix her. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to fix her. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I I love them so much. I'm like, girl, go to therapy. I'll support you. It's fun. I still love you. <laughs> you know what? That's valid. I'll be there. <laughs> As the Jackson 5 once said, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. Nico, smash. Mila, smash. Wes, smash. Jerry, even, back in the day, was apparently super hot. Smash. <laughs> Isaiah, smash. smash. Slash Annie, sla- smash smash everyone in this book is pretty hot um lucy smash smash the other guy what was his name the one with the beard he did drag smash yeah (laughs) it's been a month since i've read this book yeah Yeah, seriously only hard passes gabe (laughs) yeah (laughs) unless 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 he becomes really rich in which case i'd suck it up for the dollars (laughs) yeah suck up a lot for the dollars (laughs) hey yo (laughs) I'd break his pickle for no! $5. No! Curse. Oh, man. Oh, God. So, Claudia, what mm. would you give this for steaminess? I like what we have here. It's mm-hmm. not terribly detailed. There is more sex in it than I expected. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect two scenes, especially two scenes close together. Yeah. And the, like, kind of sex montage at the end was nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a little stingy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Okay. I was going to give it like a 3.8. Because yeah, like yeah, not quite a 4, but it's like what we have is very good. I just want more of it because I'm a yeah. pervert. Exactly. Yeah. Please pervert up for me. Yeah, please. I will never say no to more porn, honestly. Exactly. Uh, I need to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, what do you give this book for dreaminess? Honestly, I'm going to give it a 5. I mean, just, I mean, the lengths they go for each other. And I mean, especially August and everything that she did for Jane, as far as like helping her remember what happened in her previous life and also teaching her about modern times. And just, again, just the lengths they go to for each other and how much you can tell that they really, truly love each other is just everything to me. Yeah. I don't know why I said, wow. Like I was shocked because yeah, it's five. It's a, oh, it's wow. a slow burn. We love a slow burn on love this podcast burn. because you actually get to know the characters. Yeah. God, and like the fucking I love you scene on the tracks, just everything yeah. to me, everything, everything to it's, me. It's a real say anything moment that Ugh. August always wanted. I need to read um, Red, White, and Royal Blue because I mean, like you said, this is like very cinematic at points. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to see this as a movie. So I do want to read the other book just to see how you know, get an idea as to how that would translate into a movie. Yeah, maybe we'll bring that on podcast sometime. Yeah, maybe. All right, and what would you give it for memeiness? For memeiness, 
I'm going to give it like a solid three. Yeah. There's some good jokes in here. Yeah. My God, the stuff with Gabe hits oh so good. The Gabe part alone, solid five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was great. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, like middle of the road here, I think is good. Yeah. Like a three. Yeah. It's not a book that you read because it's funny or because it's tropey, but it has a lot of fun and a lot of tropes in it. Yeah. Like the jokes hit. Yeah. It also has a fucking emotional roller coaster. Oh, Jesus in it. Christ. We need a category for that. Yeah. What do you give this for for teariness? I was going to say creaminess, but that's not... I was going to say creaminess, too. Because <laughs> I was like, cry, CR, creaminess. That's not how that Criminess. works. Criminess. Crimes. Oh. Teary. We could say teariness, because uh, yeah. seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just... Holy shit. This book fucking rings you out. Seriously. Oh, my God. I mean, just like the whole fucking augie thing is mm. just so much yeah i'm also going to talk about the length here because this book is 423 pages it's so fucking long and we've said about books before that are long we said about love me hold that book was almost 400 pages but we were like i'm not sure there's anything you could cut out of here mm-hmm. here there is plenty of shit you can cut out but i don't think i would want to cut out any of it yeah or at least most of it. There's somewhere mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I could have done without that. But yeah, it really builds up a world and really like nice and interesting characters. Mm-hmm. And I deeply enjoyed this book and the writing in this book. Oh, my God. I, I, I can't say enough good things about the writing. The writing alone is just amazing. Even if like I feel the plot was crap, like the writing <laughs> alone would have carried it a long yeah. way. Casey McQuiston is a deeply talented author. Yeah, what the fuck, Casey? Thanks for making me feel <laughs> bad. <laughs> no, but seriously, like the, just so well written. Yeah. Nicole, final final thoughts? Read this book. Holy yeah. shit. Read this book. I mean, we cover we we covered this pretty thoroughly, but just being able to read it and again just like reading firsthand how well written it is is definitely worth it, even if you know every single detail of the plot at this point. Yeah, we basically cut a bunch of characters, too. Yeah, and it's it's so great. I mean, every single character is so well fleshed out, and I love every single one of them. It's so worth reading. Yeah, I would read this on my own. Yeah. If this podcast wasn't a thing, I would still read this on my own. Mm-hmm, 100%. This is probably, I'm trying to think, because like I've really enjoyed a lot of the books we've read, but I'm almost thinking that this is my favorite so far. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, just, it's so fucking well written. A lot of the books we've read before, I can't really see myself coming back to. This one, hands down, I can't see myself coming back to. Yeah, there's a lot to open here. It's a very theme-rich book. It's just it's just good. I like yeah, it. It's great. It was refreshing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we, we had read bad shit before then. I mean, Second Wind was fine. AITA we fucking loved. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, we read like three lesbian books in a row here. This was my favorite. This is tied for my favorite with AITA. I really liked AITA. AITA was so good, but like for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. AITA was so good. But yeah, this I think is my favorite book so far. Like this is going to stay on my shelf forever. Nice. Casey McQuiston, I will be reading every single one of your books. (laughs) (laughs) Casey, come on the show. Casey, we love you, except I also hate you. 
Yeah, fuck you. God, Jesus Christ, Casey. Casey, if you have BU Sue's number, can you tell her to call me? My number is 732. Uh, also call me. My number is 203. <laughs> <laughs> or email the show. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, you need me at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. We're on all the things. Actually, yeah, yeah. where can they find you? Where, yeah. where can BU Sue find you? <laughs> BU Sue can find me at Punk Dyke on Twitter. P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. I'm sorry to steal that at from her as the original Punk Dyke here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Be you Sue and literally nobody else, just be you Sue, can find me at Sexy Pagliacci on Twitter. That's S E X Y P A G L I A C C I. You can find us at the 3LW Podcast on the tweeters and on Patreon and everywhere else where you can find things. We got good stuff on Patreon. Oak, when he edits the episodes now, he'll like take out clips that make him laugh but aren't going into the episode and stick them on Patreon. There's a bit where Nicole and I talk about luxury cars in, <laughs> in fucking uh, Under a Falling Star for like four minutes. We also talk about horoscopes for like three minutes in that same episode. I talk about how one of the people I used to work with was a bitch-ass Sagittarius. <laughs> uh, I don't remember that, but I'm sure I talk about Scorpios and their hold on me. Almost certainly. Yeah, I, I bring it up a lot. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for listening. What are we reading next? Next time, we are going to be reading the hilariously titled Love Under Quarantine <laughs> by Kylie Scott and Audrey Carlin. Can't wait. A book that I am deeply interested in. <laughs> it came out in 2020. Oh, man. So right, right in there. Oh, right in there. Love that. I think that's it. That's it. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. This episode was brought to you by our patrons June B, The Evergreen Collective, and Horalai, and by listeners like you. Thank you. This April, the Moonshot Podcast Network is doing something new, unparalleled, something nobody has done before. We're asking you for money. 
This month is the first ever Moonshot Patreon drive. Between April 1st and 30th, we're hoping to bring in 30 new and upgrading patrons to patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork. That's one per day. The money we make on Patreon is what helps our podcasters get things like new mics, show art, and music. It also helps us put on our bigger streaming events, advertise our shows, and think even bigger. If you know us, you know we like to think bigger. Join the Patreon in April and you'll get a bunch of Drive-exclusive new podcasts, including actual plays, improv comedy, and a roundtable show with some of the hosts of our book talk shows, like Three Little Words and Kahooligans. $5 Patreons get to join us for a game night on our Minecraft server on April 7th, where we take down the Ender Dragon together. You hate that guy, so do we. Help us kill him. You'll also get access to all of our usual monthly output, like Once Missed Wonders, early episodes of Champs in the Making, and more. So please join us or upgrade with us today on Patreon for $1, $3, or $5 at patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork. Visit us on Patreon or at Moonshot Pods on Twitter for more details about the drive. Patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork.